Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Hey, did you hear the news? Canadian beef is bad for you, which is why Canuck beef is slated to receive warning labels, you know, kind of like cigarettes. Adam Seuss rightfully has a beef about how the Trudeau Liberals are attacking yet another Canadian industry. He'll join me to dish up all the nitty gritty. And wow, talk about hypocrisy. Sebastian Vettel flies into Montreal last weekend from Germany and starts dumping on Canadian oil sands development. That's his right to do so, of course, but did I mention that Vettel is a Formula One driver? Jeez, what does he think is powering his race car? Dilithium crystals? In plain English, you're saying that the dilithium is causing the geological catastrophe. Carrie Diot has all the unbelievable details. And letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses about my monologue regarding the TikTok insanity recently served up by HR professional Tammy Sepetis, now better known by her new nickname, Batshite Crazy Human Resources Lady from Hell. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Adam Sos here for Rebel News and we are in Sherwood Park at the Buffet Royale where they serve some truly incredible Canadian beef. You likely know that Canadian beef is under attack. The government, the Liberals particularly, are seeking to put labels on ground beef in this country. We think that that is absolutely not necessary. Ground beef is incredibly healthy. So we're here on the streets trying to find people to get their opinions on beef. And look, oh, who do we have here? It's Sheila Gunn-Reed, of course. Why? What are you doing here? Just enjoying some beef coincidentally? Coincidentally, I'm here for the showing of our movie, but I'm also, as uh, many people know, a beef evangelist. Mm -hmm. And so I cannot abide by the Liberals rule of potentially labeling, well, they're gonna do it, label Canadian beef as though it's a cigarette. Yeah, it's extremely troubling. We're talking about, as we've mentioned before, a government that's legalizing hard drugs, seemingly everything under the sun is okay, and this relatively healthy sort of staple of Western farming that is a healthy source of good nutrients is under attack. What do you think the motivation is behind that? We're going to be under attack by these seagulls who want my beef. Um, even seagulls like Canadian beef. Um, you know, it's one of those things that it's really an attack on the West. We see this with our oil and gas and now with our beef and what could be more Albertan or more Western than Alberta beef. But it's interesting that they are attacking beef as close to the farmer as possible, or at least as they can mandate. For example, right now I'm eating this beef in a parking lot, but, but right across- As the you normally do. As you know, there's never a bad time to eat beef, but there's a McDonald's right across the street from us and they will serve Alberta beef, one of their slogans is not without Canadian farmers. 100% real beef is a fact. Here at Cargill, we produce all of the beef patties for McDonald's Canada. There are no additives, no fillers, just Canadian beef. But there will be no label on that processed beef. It will only be a label at the grocery store to sway consumers away from beef. 
Now, the other sort of consumer consideration is this beef, it's gonna cross the border and it's yep. gonna have that hideous label and an American beef will not have the same label. So from a consumer perspective, one has this sort of ghastly label, the other one doesn't. How fundamentally will this affect Canadian farmers likely? Well, as you pointed out in your initial video, 85% of Canadians still eat ground beef every single month. That is that's a substantial portion of uh, Canadians. And ground beef accounts for 50% of the beef market. Mm -hmm. So this one move of attacking ground beef, it serves to normalize these attacks to other Canadian beef as though it's unhealthy. When you go to the grocery store, 50% of the beef there will be labeled as somehow less healthy than the Oreo cookies that won't have this label. And that's the other sort of question there. Obviously, sort of the science is up in the air, but I think most people would agree, and there is science out there, the sort of excessive consumption of carbs, junk foods, extremely sugary pops, all of that sort of stuff, contributing to the obesity uh, sort of epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, that's, uh, that's clearly a, a serious concern. Instead of addressing those concerns, which frankly, I don't want the government doing either. I kind of want them yeah. leaving us alone. But instead of focusing on those things that we know are going on, there seems to be an ideological warfare against farmers and against beef. Yeah, because farmers generally don't vote liberal. So they can attack these people, they can attack their livelihoods, and it doesn't really cost the liberals anything. It's the same way they attack the oil patch, knowing it's not going to lose them a single vote. Or they could crack down on truckers, knowing it's not going to cost them a single vote. This is virtue signaling. This is coming from the World Health Organization. And the liberals are just marching in lockstep. Um, it, it wasn't that long ago that the World Health Organization wanted to label meat as a carcinogen. Um, and incidentally, the opposite has proven to be true. Um, studies as recently as 2021 show that um, people with low blood serum levels of cholesterol, particularly in men, um, are at risk of cancer. For women, it's breast cancer, aggressive breast cancer under the age of 50. So the liberals keep telling us to follow the science, and I think I am, but I don't think they are. Amazing. You know, folks, sometimes it seems as though the Justin Trudeau liberals get out of their beds every morning just pondering how they can make our lives more miserable especially the lives of those in Western Canada. And now the latest target of their demonization is Canadian beef? Disgraceful. And joining me now with more on this latest exercise in liberal virtue signaling that is actually worse than useless is our Calgary reporter, Adam Seuss. How you doing there, Adam? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great, my friend. Adam, let's cut to the chase here. As you and Sheila discussed, it is a blatant lie that beef is bad for us. So what, pray tell, is the unspoken strategy behind this grotesque attack on Canadian beef? You know, it, that's a really good question, and not one that I'm sure we're likely to find a sensible answer to. Um, it would seem from the very get-go, if this Liberal government's intention under Justin Trudeau was to do a bunch of things that didn't make sense, made people's lives inconvenient, um, and then ultimately were just categorically counterintuitive, well, there would have been a great success story if that was their goal uh, from the onset, because that seems to be just about all that they are doing on a regular basis. We see them legalizing hard drugs while banning e-cigarettes. We see them uh, making legal firearms uh, ownership even more of a headache than it already uh, was in the first place while decriminalizing and reducing uh, minimum sentences for violent gun crimes. And now with obesity epidemics plaguing 
North America, much of the world, in fact, often contributing to leading causes of death. Um, they've decided to go after one of the sort of semi-affordable uh, under Justin Trudeau with all this inflation we're seeing uh, food products that is high in protein, high in good nutrients, um, and is still semi-affordable. So um, time and time again, these uh, liberals just seem to want people to suffer. Listen, it, it, it's categorically an attack on the West. Um, there's a glaring hypocrisy from the liberals. Um, if, there, if there's car factories affected in the East, well, they'll, they'll go to bat for that. If it's oil in the West, they don't care. They're willing to campaign against it. Um, if cattle industries were as prominent out East as they are here, this wouldn't be a conversation. You don't see them attacking dairy farmers because those big dairy unions very often out there. But beef farmers, ranchers, ground beef, they're attacking uh, tirelessly because it is very emblematic of the West. It is a core Western industry. And ultimately, I mean, it seems that based on the balance of evidence, it's something that helps lower and middle class people sort of get some healthy food on the plates. And with the skyrocketing taxes, the cost of living, everything, uh, Justin Trudeau seems to have it out for that group of people in particular. You know, I agree with you, Adam. You know, the West is certainly a desert in terms of liberal seats or the potential for getting more liberals elected. So it's almost as though let's just write it off. Who cares? But what I'm curious about, the individual consumer uh, that goes to the store, how is this a political win? Is there anyone out there going, oh, thank God my government has labeled this ground beef as being bad for my health, potentially. Um, I never would have thought otherwise. Thank you, big brother, for looking out for me in terms of what what's on the menu. Is there anyone out there that's going to be happy about this, regardless of their politics? No, I, I don't think so. Not as, I was going to say, yeah, sure, there's people who follow Justin Trudeau no matter what he does. Those people probably thrilled about this and every other bad decision he's made. Um, I think on a sort of apolitical level, what this does, the biggest impact is adverse. And what's going to happen is uh, when you look at American markets, for example, you're going to see Canadian beef hitting their shelves. And it's going to have this big warning label on it, like it's some sort of nasty cigarette. And that's going to be competing with American farmers that don't have to do that. So what are you going to choose? The thing with a big warning label on it, it's going to make you think there's something wrong with that particular product. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think on any sort of objective level, literally outside of extremely niche sort of diet markets that might want this one little tidbit of information or perhaps someone with a sort of rare medical condition that has to avoid something. But I mean, most of that information is already available on the very helpful sort of macronutrient breakdowns that are that are readily visible. Um, this is one of those bizarre Trudeau liberal uh, things that the question is who, sort of who asked for this. Um, I mean, I can think of another bunch of things, lots of which can't be repeated in play company that the Trudeau liberals have pushed through that. It's like, who, who is asking for this? Um, and perhaps there's some vegan anti-Western rancher <laughs> member of parliament in Ontario who really wanted, maybe they're jumping, but again, that's all political. I don't think that there's a, sort of sensible person out there who's like, oh, yeah, well, the benefit to this is this. Yeah, oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it, it, we live in a society uh, these days, Adam, increasingly where one squeaky wheel will drive the agenda. Um, but you touched upon something earlier in your answer that I want to dwell on. I want to get confirmation from you that there is no other beef-producing nation in the world, I'm assuming, 
that slaps these warning labels on their own product. Is that correct? Are we the one, uh, you know, nation doing this? Yeah, and to this extent, anyways, like these cigarette style sort of warning, different countries will have different regulations as far as uh, how to display nutrient information or uh, where where food is sourced from or the cut of. So there are sort of grading mechanisms and labels in other countries. But this country, this country, we have a whole bunch of firsts, whether it's Bill C-11, some of these other restrictions that are coming down, this dangerous labeling on beef, the banning of e-cigarettes. There's a whole bunch of sort of. Uh, firsts or at least near firsts. And these aren't the sort of precedent setting moves Canada wants to make. Canada used to be a precedent setting as far as quality of life, affordability, cleanliness, um, all of these sort of markers that drew people in. Now under Justin Trudeau, those sort of accomplishments of whether you like some of the prime ministers of the past or not, the relative ineptitude um, is staggering because the, those, there's the scandals that would have undone uh, past prime ministers, well, Trudeau has lapsed them and lapped them several times um, in his short, uh, relatively short stint here. Um, he's doing sort of untold damage and he's, he's a world leader, but not in categories um, that most of us likely would endorse or be in favor of. One last question, uh, Adam, the beef farmers and their association, they're surely pushing back against this. Uh, my query to you, my friend, is are these labels a done deal? There's no negotiation. It's going through. Or do you think there can be a reversal of this insane policy of labeling beef as being akin to cigarettes? You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that there can be a reversal. But the, the sad fact is, uh, whenever there's something glaringly irrational that's being done by this liberal government with the NDP propping them up, it seems to just be happening. Uh, C-11 has drawn, and I'm jumping to another another bill, though, that just recently seems to be, uh, seems to be coming into fruition without uh, much opposition. Um, as long as the NDP is ramping up the liberals with some of this madness, um, these things are going to continue happening. And sadly, um, maybe, maybe these beef... Uh, Folks will get together and rally and apply enough pressure, like we've seen dairy unions and other groups do, that they'll be able to have some impact. Um, but it seems to me, and much along with the, the firearms restrictions that are coming in, with the freedom of uh, speech and censorship bills that are coming in, um, I, with all those garnering overt opposition from hippies and conservatives, rednecks, beatniks, like whoever, uh, that that's garnered international concern. Um, and that still went through. Um, I, I think we're hard pressed to see this overturned, but that doesn't mean we're stopping. Um, I've reached out to a bunch of uh, sort of beef producers. We're hoping to follow the story at length. Uh, we have some really great shirts actually on the Rebel News store um, on this. One says free the beef, one has a cute little steer and it says, I don't need a label. Um, so if you want to support the beef industry and ranchers, you can grab one of those shirts. But I, I do want to encourage people because I mean, political pressure does work. If nothing else, the uh, Conservative Party, they have their leadership race underway. It would be great, great to see one of those candidates, one of those people who uh, may be the prime minister following Justin Trudeau. I'm sort of taking this on as part of their campaign moving forward. So I do encourage everyone to go to freethebeef.ca, sign that petition as well, um, because pressure does work and it does matter. So maybe this is going to get forwards through, maybe this is going to be a fait accompli, but that doesn't mean that after the fact we can't reverse or track and make those necessary changes to stand up for Alberta beef and to stand up for Western ranchers. And Adam, you know, you make a great point. And here's my personal fantasy. Wouldn't it be great if millions of Canadians from coast to coast decide, you know what, 
I'm going to upscale my purchase of uh, beef. I I'm going to buy more, not less, because of these warning labels. Wouldn't it be so beautiful, my friend, if this was a complete backfire? I mean, uh, you know, it has to be their policy reason for doing this is to lower consumption because, hey, it's bad for us. Wouldn't it be just so wonderful and jolly, Adam, if the reverse happened and beef sales surged? Last word goes to you, my friend. You know, I, I think it would be absolutely incredible, to your point, if some of those great burger places out there, you know, places that have like these monstrosity, gigantic burgers yes. that no one can finish. There should, I, I want a burger place somewhere in Alberta, somewhere in Canada to do a Trudeau burger challenge. And it's like a 36 ounce, gigantic, just beef fiasco <laughs> that people travel far and wide to eat. One, it would show Trudeau that we're not taking this, and two, well, that's a heck of a lot of beef consumed. So, and I, I, give me shoot me an email if you're a uh, diner and you decide to do that. Well, Adam, I'm firing up the barbecue for sure this weekend, and it's going to yeah. be chock a block with fantastic, delicious, good for you Canadian beef. Even though some pencil neck geeks in Ottawa are telling me to dial back my consumption, shame on them. Adam, you have a good weekend, my friend, and uh, thanks so much. You too, thanks. Got it. And that was Adam Seuss in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. This is Kerry Diot in downtown Edmonton, where we're getting reaction to the Formula One driver who said that... What happens in Alberta is a, a crime because you chop down a lot of trees and you basically destroy uh, the place um, just to extract oil. These things shouldn't be allowed anymore and they shouldn't happen. So. Bear in mind, this is a Formula One driver. <laughs> you might be asking the wrong people. Yes, right. I did hear about this actually. And what do you think? I think that he just isn't informed and he doesn't know about the oil sands. We've spent countless years working yeah. up there and I think it's a lot more than what people realize. And if they went up to the oil sands and they saw the reclamation projects and stuff like that, they would have a different outlook. But going off of what's just in the media, they draw the wrong conclusions. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Oh, the same thing. I like said we've been in the I've been in the oil industry for the last twenty years, and I'm actually currently working up in the oil sands. And his opinion is absolute hypocrisy because he's standing there with Aramco on his jersey, which is Saudi Arabian oil company. So he's telling us to shut down the most ethical, most environmentally regulated oil system in the world, oil production system in the world, but he's okay with blood oil. Where women can barely drive, they still behead people, and your hand get cuts off if you steal something. It's ridiculous. And the manner of doing it with the tar sands mining or oil sands mining is uh, horrible for, for nature. What information they're cherry picking is, yes, the oil companies up there, they're still, they're still doing open pit mining, which looks terrible yes but they are those companies are bound by the government to reclaim everything so yes that pit gets dug but it also gets filled back in and they have to reclaim it to the original topography when they started mining it sir a very quick question for you did you hear about the formula one driver who said that uh, it's basically a crime that we're developing the oil sands in alberta what do you think of that I never heard about it, but I think it's a terrible thing to say. Why so? Well, just because we need the oil sands. 
I think it's a hypocrite. I think he does not know what he's talking about. Well, folks, were you as happy as I was when Sebastian Vettel finished in 12th place at the Montreal Grand Prix last week? This man is a hypocrite, an ignoramus, and, well, he's a downright loser. We certainly do not need the likes of Mr. Vettel preaching to us when it comes to Canadian oil and gas. And joining me now with more on this story is Kerry Diot. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Kerry. How you doing there? Morning, David. Kerry, so many angles here, but here's what I find most galling. If Sebastian Vettel really thinks Canada is responsible for, oh, I don't know, environmental carnage, then why did he even come to Canada in the first place? I mean, I think back to yesterday, before the fall of apartheid, and how South Africa was justifiably treated as a pariah on the world stage, how South Africa was boycotted, how South Africa was not allowed to compete in the Olympics and whatnot. Well, what was stopping Mr. Vettel from taking such a principled stance if he truly thinks Canada is filled with environmental terrorists? Well, that's exactly it. You know, it, it's typical of these, these elites who uh, want to save the planet but yet they want to play by their own rules. So they want to fly their private jets. In his case, he wants to use his Formula One race car. I didn't have time to, uh, to check the actual gas mileage that you might get out of a Formula <laughs> One car. But hey, listen, I, I don't think it's as uh, good a mileage as I get out of my 10-year-old four-cylinder vehicle. And uh, yet here's this guy preaching to us. One good thing that's, uh, that's interesting is that he did get booed in Montreal, of all places. Now, that's not exactly been friendly to pipelines or to Albertans trying to get their good uh, oil and gas from the oil sands to the rest of the country instead of having to import dirty uh, oil from dictator countries and, uh, and bad actors from around the world. And this is the thing, Kerry, when it comes to bad actors around the world, when it, and when it comes to the oil and gas industry, you know, our beloved boss, Ezra Levent, years ago, wrote a fantastic book, Ethical Oil. And I'm just wondering if Mr. Vitell competes in a F1 event in the Middle East, is he going to go and wear that T-shirt he was wearing in Canada? Is he going to call out the Saudis or whoever and lecture them on their oil and the and the environmental damage it does, not to mention a plethora of human rights violations. Would he dare do that? But of course not. Um, he's proudly wearing his Saudi Aramco sponsorship shirt. So that's, that's ludicrous uh, in itself. I got some really good reaction on the streets of Edmonton because even people who don't work in the oil patch, they know that how valuable it is to Canada. And it just shows you, on the one hand, David, we have a lot of work to do because what he was spewing and spouting was just a bunch of uninformed gibberish. He's talking about this land is destroyed, like old, you know, it sounded like old growth forest was being cut down. These are, these are like poplar trees that um, get replaced. The, the government mandates say that you have to get the, uh, the, the land back to the original state. So in many ways, what they're doing by 
mining the oil sands is basically cleaning up the world's biggest oil spill because they have to put back trees and, and so forth in the original state. He didn't know that, obviously. So it's, uh, it's really alarming. It's uh, total ignorance. But it also shows, which is uh, quite alarming, it, it shows that the, the people on the left and the people who have been criticizing Alberta's ethical oil sands have gotten their message out all over the world. And that's why people like this, uh, like Sebastian, believe this garbage. You know, Kerry, you raise an excellent point here, which is this. Where is Sebastian Vettel and his like-minded comrades? Where are they getting this information, or I should call it misinformation? And what is the agenda behind those spreading this anti-Canadian oil sands propaganda in the first place? Well, you don't have to be too much of a cynic to suggest that it is uh, advantageous to other oil producers. And, uh, you know, it's, we've got to get the word out, and this is a good way to do it. But I, I think that it's just so insidious now. It's, it's crept into our school system. Uh, I was looking at some of the reports of, from racing magazines in Europe, and they just stated as fact, oh, it's known that Canada's oil sands is the dirtiest, most unethical oil. It's just a, it's, it's a lie. It's a lie. You look at where some of the, uh, some of the other countries are that produce oil, the, the Saudi Arabias, the Venezuelas, the, the Russias, the, you name it. And uh, I would put Alberta's and Canada's environmental record on, uh, on top of all of those. And, and yet the world is somehow brainwashed, as is Sebastian. And really, um, the uh, Alberta Energy Minister, Sonia Savage, called him out on it, which is great. But I think that in some ways we've lost the narrative a long time ago. And uh, these leftist groups have seized it. And now they repeat it as truth. And of course, mainstream media and legacy media, they just uh, they don't they don't question it whatsoever. Yeah. Even our own homegrown Canadian uh, legacy media. It is absolutely baffling. And I mean, one last point, you know, Kerry, the perversity is, of course, that this is a Formula One driver. Uh, look at the fuel those vehicles consume. Uh, look at how those vehicles are manufactured. It, it isn't done without oil and gas. But on one last note, I just find it's so rude of this individual. He flies in from Germany. He comes to Canning and he comes to Montreal. They shut down the roads. They shut down the city for this Formula One event. Montreal, I understand, is one of the favorite cities of the F1 drivers to compete in. And he prances around in this T-shirt. And basically, it translates into a raised middle finger. I just find the etiquette and his behavior and his manners so offside. Last word goes to you, Kerry. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I hope that uh, I ran into a, a racing fan um yesterday when we were we were talking to folks and he said this kind of behavior has turned him off so maybe that will be a wake-up call when people who are who are motorsports fans just say i won't listen to this i don't want to be lectured to i just want to see the sport i love the sport and leave politics the of, of course the the, uh, the the simple thing is stay in your own lane 
Yeah, yeah, literally and figuratively when it comes to F1. Well, Kerry, those are amazing streeters. I don't think you found one contrarian viewpoint where they said, oh, yeah, I'm on Team Sebastian. It was 100%. Wow, what a poll. Kerry, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, David. You got it. And that was Kerry Diot in Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. By the way, as you view the self-inflicted carnage, just ask yourself, imagine working for a company in which Miss Sepetus heads up the Human Resources Department. Murders and rights and freedom, that would tell you that. But since you seem to forget that, and you're all loud and proud with your big thoughts and your big, big ideas, and you want to whatever, set up hot tubs in Ottawa, I'm a recruiter. It's a small Small, small industry, smaller than you'd think. Same with HR. So if you're looking for a job or maybe trying to keep a job, maybe, just maybe, think about what you're putting on social media. Again, freedom fighters. I know you're not really big with stats and, you know, facts aren't your thing, you know, but what I can tell you, what is a fact is that recruiters talk and recruiters like the majority of Canada don't agree with you. Do you know what that means? Do you have any guesses? Any guesses what that means? What that means is that if you need a job, you might not get one. If you want to keep a job, you might not get to do that. And you know what else HR is good at? Documentation. You know what that means? You want to be, we document it. We give you a couple tries. Then what do we do? We terminate you with cause, if we're so lucky. If not, we give you the minimum allowed by law. Either way, best of luck to you. Recruiters are watching. HR is watching everywhere. And we hate you. We hate you so much. And you think we can't do anything. But we can. We have the power. Always remember that. Doesn't matter if there's a man at the top of your HR department. It's run by women. And it's run by angry women just like me. <sighs> I'm so, so glad I got that off my chest. It's been eating me up inside. And honestly, my heart goes out to you guys. I mean, you have families to feed, right? You brought your kids to this big event. You're freedom fighters. You're standing up. Oh, they will be so, so proud. So, so, so proud of you. yourself. Love you. Hmm. That unhinged rant, those wackadoodle eyes, that demented demeanor. It all reminds me of another loony lass. Oh, yeah. Check it out. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! Of course, the difference is that the Kathy Bates character in the 1990 film Misery was fictional, whereas Tammy Sepetus is a real-life monster-chiller horror theater character. Wow, talk about being hoisted upon one's own petard. And really, what made Tammy Sepetus decide to record that TikTok video in the first place? 
was she inebriated or is she just downright uber entitled and stupid? What a deadly combination that is when it comes to climbing the corporate ladder. And one thing's for sure, I pity the employees of any company in the future that hires this Looney Tune as their HR director. In any event, you had plenty to say about Tammy and her batshite crazy TikTok rant. Pura Vida writes a perfect example of how Trudeau and his left think and behave. Hey, that's a great point, Pura Vida. While we look upon this lady with a mixture of shock and disdain, methinks Justin Trudeau is thinking, hmm, now that's what I call cabinet material. Face Like Dog writes, these kinds of loons are also prominent in the provincial and federal human rights commissions. I think you are right in this assessment, Face Like Dog. The only difference is that those taxpayer-funded loons are at least smart enough to stay off social media. As for Tammy, she failed to heed her own words of advice, which was this. So, if you're looking for a job, or maybe trying to keep a job, maybe, just maybe, think about what you're putting on social media. Yep, think about what you're putting on social media. Oh, the irony, the irony. Rusty Scrapper writes, she just incriminated herself. It is illegal to do what she just described. It's called discrimination. You're quite right, Rusty. What's more, if she had any sort of role in getting anyone terminated for whatever reason these past few years, then I would suggest that the fired employee now has a really, really good case vis-a-vis a wrongful termination lawsuit. Ron Archer writes, Come on, Mr. Menzies, we need more sneaky, douchey Patrick Brown content. LOL. You should follow him 24-7 for a full month. I need that kind of entertainment in my life, sir. Well, Mr. Archer, stay tuned. My sources promise me there is a scandal coming down the pike in the days ahead that could very well end Sneaky Patrick's Conservative Party leadership bid once and for all. Oh, can hardly, can't wait. And Varger 1981 writes, demonic possession is alive and well. Well, Varger 1981, you know what? You might have given Tammy a way out of her self-inflicted mess, which is to say maybe she needs to claim that she was not in control of her thoughts and her words when she recorded that crazy video that quite literally the devil made her do it. See, folks, where does one find an exorcist for hire these days? I cast you out! Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.